All right. So this is this is broad, but I'd love to know where your head goes um, because <laughs> so we're sanctioned. <laughs> we can go find a moment in the booth that you loved that we could go pull and listen to. First thing that comes to your mind that you're comfortable with everyone hearing. So wondering what comes to mind when I ask it that broadly. Well, that's a pretty loaded question because I can give you a lot of examples. Um, the one that, you know, that stands out and it wasn't a great call per se because we'd reached something of an anti-climax by then, but it was the night in late October 2015 when the Mets won the National League pennant in Chicago. Uh, they were comfortably ahead in the ninth inning. There was very, very little mystery about how it was going to turn out. In fact, it was the completion of a four-game sweep over the Cubs. But when Jerry's Familia threw a call strike three past Dexter Fowler and those words, the Mets win the pennant, came out of my mouth, on the air, in real time. Words that I dreamt of saying since April 11th, 1962, when the Mets played their first game in the National League. And I was already then fantasizing about you know, the possibility of being a baseball announcer someday. You know, all of those things kind of coalesced that night. Here's the payoff pitch from Familia to Fowler on the way. And it's in there, strike three called. The Mets win the pennant. The New York Mets have won the National League pennant. Put it in the books. The New York Mets, for the first time in 15 years, are champions of the National League. And they are mobbing each other out behind the pitcher's mound. They have completed a four-game sweep of the Chicago Cubs in the National League Championship Series. They win game four, eight to three. And there's a point in the aftermath of the immediate call as I continue to describe what I was seeing and, you know, relate the emotions for, I don't know, 30, 45 seconds in all before my partner would come in. Maybe it was longer than that. But I remember saying... All of the focus now on the New York Mets. They're headed to the World Series against either Toronto or Kansas City. We won't know until at least Friday. And right now, I guarantee you, the New York Mets don't care. And just prior to saying they're in the World Series, you may not even be able to hear it, but I felt it. And I can hear it because I know where it is. My voice cracks just a little bit. And I started to really squeeze the skin on my leg with my thumb and forefinger to keep myself from maybe breaking down a little bit because it was that emotional for me. But one that's a little bit more evident, and I only bring this up because as we record this, uh, David Wright is going to be a guest of ours in the booth tonight in the fifth inning. Uh, he's in town. He's involved in the New York Police Department versus New York Fire Department baseball game going on uh, this Thursday night, August 10th at City Field. David comes from a... Uh, background where his dad was a police chief in, in Virginia. So this is very close to his heart. But anyway, um, back in 2015, again, when the Mets were on their way to the pennant, David missed probably four months of that season. Uh, mm -hmm. He was um, dealing with spinal stenosis. And he came back dramatically in Philadelphia. And his first time up, he hit a home run into the second deck in left field. Holy smokes! The captain is back! He hits one into the upper deck! Field. Unbelievable. Phillies three, 
gets one. Soak it in. There are even some Phillies fans wearing red shirts standing in appreciation. What a smile David Wright has on his face. And after the game, I was on the bus. We're going back to the hotel. David was sitting right behind me. And I turned to David and said, you know, I got to tell you, I can probably count on one hand the number of times that I have felt goosebumps while I was making a call. And and that home run was one of those moments. And we'll replay that for David tonight um, because he was so appreciative and he was kind of like amazed that I would say that to him. But, uh, you know, again, I've known David since the day he came up and he's kind of everybody's favorite around the club anyway. So that all factors into the emotion of that call. So I would say that one would be a little bit easier to discern as opposed to that little crack in my voice that I referred to on the other one. Wow, that's beautiful stuff you shared, the uh, the personal, re- really on both fronts. And uh, there's another one real quickly. Johan Santana's no-hitter. Hmm. Um, you know, the final out in 2012, the Mets were playing their 8,020th game in their history, and they'd never had a no-hitter. And I had long since just sort of um, assumed that they were never going to throw one. For whatever reason, it was fated that, you know, an organization that produced Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman and Nolan Ryan and Dwight Gooden and had David Cohn and so many others would never get a no-hitter. Um, the emotion in my voice when Santana completed that no-hitter, that, that's one, too. And now Santana, perhaps a strike away. Johan sweeps a little dirt away from the left of the pitching rubber, steps behind the rubber, tugs once at the bill of his cap, takes a deep breath, and steps to the third base side of the rubber. Santana into the windup. The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out and missed. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter in the 8,020th game in the history of the New York Mets. They finally have a no-hitter. And who better to do it than Johan Santana? And what a remarkable story. That That's awesome. It, it, it strikes me, Howie, that, that you... Growing up a Mets fan and then doing Mets games for the this this incredible portion of your life, there's very few people that get to do games for their childhood team. Dan Schulman grew up a Blue Jays fan. I know mm-hmm. Jason Benetti grew up a White Sox fan. Not great, um, but but that that's my list. My list is three right now of active broadcasters doing games for their childhood team. Uh, you know what, Matt? I'm glad you touched on that because there used to be the feeling that. A team broadcaster needed to be somewhat, I won't say dispassionate, but emotionally separated from the team if he was going to give you an honest, fair, balanced account of the game. I've always thought that was a lot of hogwash. And and I used myself as an example because, you know, I think I give a pretty honest account of what's happening on the field, and no one could have grown up more passionately uh, involved in rooting for the team that he works for than, than I did with the Mets. And mm-hmm. so whereas I won't say now that it should be a prerequisite, but I think there is a great deal of value in a team hiring a broadcaster who comes from the city where 
he's going to call or she if that evolves as it has say in baltimore with melanie newman you know i just think that there is cachet in growing up in a city rooting for a team and ultimately ascending to the role of that team's play-by-play broadcaster because it's understood that you're going to be fair and honest yep and uh, and passionate and nobody's harder on a team uh, than the fans who actually care.